Good morning, everyone. We've been talking about priestliness. Um, I think we've, this might be the third week um, in between some other things going on. And this is something that's come out of us pondering and sitting at the crossroads and asking God, we just sense that, stop, I want to refresh, I want to, I want, I want to just speak to you right here, just pause. And this is, this is one of the themes that has come out. Exodus 19, you remember that? Two things God said to the nation around the base of the mountain. Will you, what's the first thing? Fully, fully, not some. Will you fully obey me? God's very clear about that. It's full obedience. And secondly, he says to them, I'll set you apart as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And this is the theme that we're picking up on and we've been um, going through. It's a powerful theme, actually. And last Sunday, I tracked from the Garden of Eden through to Revelation uh, 20, and we looked at the role of priests and actually that this is a God-given, a God-ordained identity and function and he keeps returning to this language all throughout the scriptures sometimes you know we no well not sometimes but often in life these questions come up about identity what am I supposed to be doing what do I do when I leave school I don't feel like the job I'm currently in is what I was made for you know, and there's lots of, particularly in the world that we live in right now, where truth has been under assault for quite a few decades, there's confusion. There's confusion. And people don't know who they are or what they're supposed to be about and doing. They don't, wouldn't you say there's a lot of confusion around that? Identity. So much confusion around identity. God's message is profound and consistent. I've made you as image bearers. I've called you to fully obey me and to be my priests. And it's through and through. So we looked at that last week. Why priests and what makes a priest a priest? And uh, I just want to read a few summary comments before I hand over to the next um, bit. So listen carefully. God created and he entered into covenant relationship with Adam, the first man. A priest. A priest man. After the fall, the priestly identity continues. Just going back to Adam, remember the instruction to serve and to guard. In Hebrew, abad and shamar. Those are the two words in Genesis 2 verse 15. And he enters into a covenant with Adam. Just don't eat The blessings here just don't eat that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. After the fall, we know what happened, the priestly identity continues and God enters into progressive covenants with Noah, who is like a second Adam, and Abraham, both firstborn sons. And they're given the priestly mandate to serve and to guard God's holy things, that is his word and his sanctuary, and to rule on God's behalf. That's another theme that comes through. And through the Mosaic Covenant, God moves the priesthood from firstborn sons to a nation, the nation of Israel. And within that nation, he chooses a tribe, the Levites, who have demonstrated wholehearted obedience to him. You need to read about that wholehearted obedience and what they did. The priesthood goes through many ups and downs. It rises and falls and ultimately comes under the judgment of God for disobedience. God begins to speak through the prophets about a true and faithful priest that he will raise up. One who will function according to his heart and mind. What man was unable to lay hold of and be consistent down through the generations, God said, I'm raising up one, a perfect one. He will do everything that's on my heart. He will function righteously. At the fullness of time, Jesus enters the world and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the faithful priest and God-man, 
He becomes the ultimate and superior high priest, eclipsing all previous types, mediating a new covenant in his blood, a covenant with eternal life based on the power of his own indestructible resurrected life. That's why Paul says, death, where is your victory and where, O death, is your sting? But his priesthood doesn't conclude the story. Jesus' priesthood, like Melchizedek, inaugurates a new order of priests, king priests, raised to life through the power of one indestructible life, Jesus Christ. And it's a multinational priesthood, a priesthood redeemed out of every tribe, tongue, and nation, Revelation 5, to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. A priesthood who will serve their God with reverence, wholehearted love, daily offerings of prayer, praise, and worships, uh, worship because this is what the priests always did. A priesthood who will study his word, teach it to others, and find out what pleases the Lord. This is our God-given function. This is who we are. Just, just, just take that in. This is who you are. Whatever sphere of influence God has you in right now, wherever you're working, whatever you're, whatever's going on, whatever takes up most of your time, your identity is as a holy priesthood. And Peter reiterates that. Living stones, a spiritual house built up together, kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. We finished with Revelation 5, worthy is the lamb. When it's all said and done, after he's gone back and then he comes again, right? This song, which is going on now in heaven, we'll hear it. Worthy is the lamb to take the scroll and open its seals because he was slain and with his blood he purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and made them to be, what? A kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will rule. They will reign with him on the earth. See how amazingly consistent this message is. And I was finished with the question, do you have a vision for priestliness in your own home? Do you have a vision for that, for your family? I don't have time to go through all the things that the priests did, the different functions, but there's scriptures on the PowerPoint. You can go online and go through all those scriptures. Do we have a vision for priestliness? And Art Katz, that great question, is a lack of priestliness a lack of longing for the glory of God. Because what has been entrusted to us as image bearers who function in our God-given identity, it is to reveal the glory of God. Remember in Jeremiah 2, I mentioned this. I'm just going to finish here where God says through Jeremiah, I bring charges against you. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they're not gods at all. But my people, with my image on them, have exchanged their glory for all kinds of things. Worthless idols. Frivolous pursuits. They've even put things in place of me. Things that they thought were good. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I ask that question again. Is a lack of priestliness, a lack of longing for the glory of God? This morning... Um, we thought we'd continue in a little bit of a family vein of things and share. Wayne's going to have one of our sons up here this morning, Daniel. And we thought, because Daniel's what we call a marketplace priest, which is the majority of people, to be honest, who sit 
in a congregation. We wanted to ask him a little bit about his journey. And I just wanted to say before I hand over, for us as parents, um, we didn't know we were going to have two boys. We just never had a girl's name. (laughs) Um, Both times, there was never a girl's name that we were sold on. But when Nathan was born, we named him Nathan John. Nathan as in the prophet in the Old Testament and John as a disciple of Jesus, a friend of Jesus. And when Daniel was born, we named him Daniel Luke. Again, an Old Testament prophet and a disciple of Jesus who was a doctor. Accompanied Paul on his travels, he wrote Acts and Luke and As the boys began to grow, we saw that the the names that we had given them were prophetic in the sense that the giftings that we saw emerging in them wasn't too long before we began to ask the Lord and to pray, where would Nathan be primarily serving you, Lord, and where will Daniel be primarily functioning and serving you? And we've watched Nathan go into what we would call a priestly vocation in that he works full time in the church to serve God in this capacity. And we've watched Daniel from a young age move very clearly and strongly into the marketplace arena and using the giftings that God has given him in that place. And so as that, as by that as a way of introduction, I just want to invite Wayne and Daniel to come forward. And we wanted to just provide some hands-on helpful stuff, <laughs> okay? Because priest is a really kind of, it's a very, I mean, you don't walk around having chats with people at the supermarket talking about what you did as a priest, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word that has a lot of meaning, but perhaps needs some explanation and some insight so we thought we'd share this morning thanks julie you can give that one to daniel great introduction so and uh, just before we get into this little uh, story here uh, last week we spent some time uh, at the beginning of the message talking about the fact that we need to recalibrate how we think of priest and this week uh, i found this great book someone's written about created to draw near i think is the name of the book uh and it's and it's exactly the journey that we'd been on in terms of unpacking a scripture from genesis to revelation of the priestliness and uh if i can have the second slide up on the screen thanks and this is a quote out of this book written by edward welsh and he says we must understand ourselves as priests by how god identifies a priesthood rather than how we experience priests past and present and just want to come back and say this is really important as you're sitting here this morning remember we're saying this is about what God says about us so we have to let go of things that we've experienced and history that we know of priesthood and what we conceive it to be and go God we need to align ourselves with what you say that's what we want to do and that's that's the conversation that we've been having for several weeks and just to reiterate again what Julie was saying uh, you can download the PowerPoint from the website uh, with all those scriptures and you can do your own research and I strongly encourage that of course many of you are uh, you're about to enter into a wonderful period of nothing to do. Well, less to do, perhaps, than normal, because normal routines, many of you are on, put them on hold and all those kind of things, and perhaps your workplace closes down. A great time to really immerse yourself in Scripture and looking at this. And one of the things I hope will come out of that, out of you is something that's been coming out of me and it's this cry of for us as a people and for myself is like god please don't leave us as we are this isn't all you laid hold of us for we haven't yet become all of that there's still so much more of christ to be formed in me and my life to be aligned 
with who he is, my thinking to be aligned with who he is and how I'm to function. And I want to invite you to join yourself to that prayer and join, make that your prayer as well, particularly as we enter into the new year. But don't wait until the new year. And I'm not talking about a new year's resolution, for goodness sake. Like that's over in a flash. Um, it's that, it, but let it become like a deep cry, even if it becomes like the theme of your life for 2021, the cry, God, don't leave me as I am transform me renew my mind i could go on and on and on uh but i don't want to do that because i want to talk to my son so julie's given you some background and dan we met and we had a little conversation and i put some questions to you and now i've decided to change them um <laughs> not really <laughs> so he's used to me um so we'll start we were going to start uh, in a different place. So we'll start with question two. Sure. All right? We'll start with the, the, the what's going on now. Uh, how are you functioning as a priest in the marketplace today? So start there. Tell us how that works for you, what that looks like. All right. So my job at the moment is I am a recruiter. Um, or a, a headhunter is the other name. I think that's a way cooler name, um, but people get a bit confused. Um, so I help large organisations, uh, a couple that I work with, you may have heard of Credit Suisse, uh, the International Bank over in Sydney, uh, JB Weir, one of the largest wealth managers in Australia. These kinds of organisations find the specialised skill sets in people that they need for their organisation. And so it's my job to help pry skillful people out of whatever job they're in and come work for these organisations. Hence, I am a headhunter. Um, Can you back that up a little bit? Just a bit of backstory about your university studies then. Just throw okay. it. So, yeah. Sure. Because so, you've got a skill set that relates yeah, so to Yeah, so I went that. to Curtin University, studied accounting, financial planning and entrepreneurship. Um, then went into financial advice for about eight years um, and then with a whole bunch of um, following God and, and a series of challenging events ended up uh, moving out of that into recruiting into that kind of space. So that's Good. why I can recruit for these organisations because there are very few people who have lived it and, and done the role and therefore understand the people and skill sets they need. Um, so, so it's a very like specialist little niche that I operate in, um, and that's why I've been able to build those kinds of relationships. It's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, so then the question so the priestliness of thing. yeah the question of priestliness. So if I can frame how I understand priestliness in a in just how it makes sense in my head is that if you if you rewind to Genesis one. Uh, before verse 1, you just have God. And, and he exists in his realm, and then he begins to create the created realm. And he designs these two things to go hand in hand. So, so when Adam is created and Eve is there, he walks in the garden with them, and there is this beautiful overlap between God's realm and our realm, if you want to call it that way. Um, and that is his goal, right? And we, we see that all throughout these stories and, and the priestly function is, is really about bringing those two things back together that the dwelling of God would be among men. And, and so the covenants that are made, the process that goes on, Phineas, who we mentioned, are, are all these ones realigning the community of God yeah back to the calling of God to be the dwelling of God. And, and we see in like Isaiah 66 where the Lord says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but what's the house you'll build for me? And his answer to that question is, on this one I look. Not a house at all. It's an individual. It's a person he's looking for. On this one will I look. Here's where I'll dwell. The one who is humble and contrite and who trembles at my word. And so, all across the earth, God is looking for the dwelling place. In every heart, in every person, in every organization, in every business, 
He wants a place where he is at home. You know, and so we pray Ephesians 3, that Christ would be more and more at home in your hearts, that he would dwell in your heart, that he would find the heart that's at peace with his, where he can dwell and live with us. And so how that applies into my job is that uh, recruitment is a very... Uh, spammy job, if I can call it that. A lot of recruiters will just send out mass amounts of spam and hope that if they throw enough darts at a dartboard, one will be a bullseye. Oh, yeah. That's generally how it works. So for anyone who has LinkedIn, you've probably had the privilege of encountering such recruiters. Um, and the question that I went into it with, and my managing director at the time was a Christian, um, she's still a Christian. She's just not my managing director anymore. Um, and, and we went in with this question of what does it look like for, for Christians to be recruiters? How do we do things differently? How do we honor the people we're interacting with? How do we honor the organizations we work for or want to work for? And what are the things we need to do differently? Um, and so we began to ask these questions fundamentally asking the question of what does it look like for the workplace to be a place where God could dwell, where Jesus could walk in the door and pick up the phone and work for us and it wouldn't compromise at all who he is because he's there to love people and help them find jobs and he's there to love people and help organizations find the people they need. So how do we flip the narrative from how do we make as much money as we can as fast as we can and care about as few people as possible? And we, we flip it to how do we care for people so well and love them so well that they'll trust us enough to make a very significant career move from one specialized role to another and do it in a way that allows us to, to speak about God. Um, and so kind of one of the fun, fun stories about that is... Um, I've, through this process, I've developed a relationship with the, the number one uh, private banker, the most high-profile private banker in Australia. And my MD and I met him up in Singapore. And probably uh, we had, had dinner at a restaurant. And about an hour of our conversation was about the fact that both my MD and I were pastor's kids. And now we're in Singapore recruiting Australia's most high-profile banker uh, in, in Singapore. And we were both just able to share our testimonies and our stories of how we came to be pastor's kids serving God in the marketplace. Really, that was what our conversation was. Um, and I've been able to have uh, conversations with Christians and non-Christians. And um, I think it's, yeah, I'll leave it for, for number three. Um, but for me, it has been this question of how do I create a dwelling place for Jesus in the midst of my work? Mm. That, that literally, and, and that's kind of one of the, the things that's helpful for me, like, mm. would Jesus be my colleague? Like, would he enjoy coming to work next to me, doing whatever it is we do, and not feel grindy? but he would feel at rest. Even if the work is hard, even if the work's annoying, it's always got that, there's always challenges. But am I carrying my heart in a way that guards the presence of God? That would make a space for him. And I believe that's fundamentally what the priesthood was about, right? They were the gatekeepers, they were the administrators, they were the guardians, they were the animal killers, they were the whatever else. All singers, fundamentally, the singers and musicians, all fundamentally about the dwelling of God being the centerpiece of Israel as a nation. Yeah. You know, and, and there's so many, there's so many things you could say. The, the, the promise to Jacob of a ladder that would descend, a ladder from heaven where angels would ascend and descend. And then when they consecrate the temple, you know, fire literally falls from heaven and God's dwelling place is now inside this temple. And then when Jesus comes, he basically says, I am the ladder. He says to, to uh, uh, Nathan, Nathaniel? Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Yes. Uh, he says to Nathaniel, you know, mm. you've believed so easily, but you're going to see angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. Mm. 
and then he sends out the church into the world, uh, both through the Great Commission and, and just by the fact of where he goes. And what he's looking for is that, that we would become resting places all over the world where the fragrance of Christ goes forth, not because we're like necessarily super amazing, but because we have an emphasis on wanting God to dwell with us and wanting to honor him through what we're doing. And, and for me, kind of where all of that hilariously comes full circle is that pretty much every self-help and every uh, business, good business book, you could write from a scriptural basis and it would make a lot more sense. I'm yet to read a really, really good business book or come across a really, really good business book where I'm like, oh, how fascinating. That goes against the Bible. If you know of one, let me know, because I'd be fascinated to read and see how it works. But the biblical principles God has given us for life will, if you overlay them into your work context and and kind of figure it out, you will actually find that business success is at the end of that. Not that it's the goal, Mm. but it's the reality of what happens when God dwelt among a loving, faithful Israel, which didn't happen much, but David and Solomon for a while, are probably our best example. And, and Solomon ends up the wealthiest guy who's ever lived. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing, Dan. And I remember a few years ago just picking up on that point about books that are written from, that aren't necessarily biblical, but they got those biblical principles. I remember going on a journey a while ago, I think when, when you were a little boy, uh, and I was trying to work out um, some financial things mm. and started to read around in the financial sphere and... So many of the books written by the so-called financial gurus, of the, they all were advocating something along tithing. Mm. You know, you should be yep. giving away about 10% to charitable causes. Mm. And it was just like, wow. This, so that point of things that when we, when we, whether people actually know it or not, when they're aligning with God's purposes... Yep. There is a blessing that flows from that. So, and if we can have the next slide, because this really, uh, uh, this one, yeah. So th- I think this is really captures what you're saying. And this is from this book by Edward Welsh about the world beyond Eden was untamed. Mm. And we were called to claim it for the Lord as his image bearers, work it and keep it, guard it. And our mission was to imitate him and represent him on the earth. And that's, that is it. If you're thinking, oh, what shall I do with my life? This is it. This is, I imitate God and I represent him on the earth. You were talking about, I'm a dwelling place for him. Mm. Uh, You might notice the backdrop on the screen, on the slides, is what? Which is, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house, a dwelling where he can come. So it's both... I, I, the thing I like about that is it's both the individual and the collective. You understand what I'm saying by that? Because each of us is unique and you look at the things on the wall, there's a uniqueness about each of those stones, but they're joined together. They make something bigger, which is always what the church is meant to be, the people of God, the nation, if you like, of priests who represent him and speak of him in that way. So that's what you were saying, Dan. So let's just backtrack a little bit to some of the early history of how did this get formed in you? Mm. The priestly identity and function um, that... Now, we're going to assume that part of your answer would be, would be my mum and dad. So we'll take that as a given. That's it. Parenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the formation, yep. and mum already said that, and so as you and Nathan were growing up, and we were, our, our desire was simply uh, that you would love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and obey him in everything. That was, that, was the, that was the big thing. You know, jobs and whatever was always secondary to that. Mm. Yeah. So, but apart from that, what are some of the other things that really formed you, your understanding of what we're calling priestliness, living as this place? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so mum and dad's parenting really did in that they, 
they never pushed me to be uh, like full time in church. I don't know if we've ever even had that conversation at any point. Um, yeah. And, and they always wanted me to follow my God given calling, even when it wasn't their calling or even one that they had lived or, or understood very well. You know, they've lived their calling and, and they've done an amazing job of that. And it has done incredible things in this, in this region and, and for our community. Um, but mine is, is different and, and they've always been supportive of that. Um, the kind of next piece on that would be, uh, my time at the International House of Prayer. And so I spent six months there. Loose schedule was somewhere between two and four hours of like teaching classes, Bible classes a day and six or four to eight hours in the prayer room, um, depending on which day it was. And when you live in a greenhouse like that for six months, connectedness with God, that idea of being the dwelling place of God Mm -hmm. is the only thing you're trying to do. Like, you don't go there to build a career. You don't go... Oh, people do go there to find a spouse. I did not. Um, you know, it's the only thing on your mind because whatever you do through the day, however you interact with people, if you've said something, held a conversation, held a grudge, whatever it is you've done, you're going to go and spend four to eight hours that day in the prayer room trying to talk to a God and that's what he'll want to talk to you about it. So it's a very frustrating process until you embrace connectedness first and then you're willing to repent and you're willing to forgive and you're willing to say sorry and you're willing to change what you were doing and you're willing to change the way you were thinking because connectedness becomes your priority. And so then Great coming... Word. Great word, connectedness. Yeah. So coming home from that context and knowing I was not called to be full-time in the house of prayer, I was not called to be full-time in a church. My question became, well, then how do I keep my connectedness because I don't want to unplug that thing? And so many of you will know, uh, since IHOP, I have not worked a five-day-a-week standard job. Um, I've generally worked four days. I mean, there was uni and then like little part-time jobs and stuff, but as a general rule, I've worked four days And I have a fifth day that is for various tasks and there's usually a chunk of prayer room in there. Um, I'm in the prayer room pretty much every Wednesday night. Uh, I do youth on Friday nights and a few other bits and pieces as well. And my goal of doing those things has been to keep connectedness, to keep the flame, to guard the the temple of my own heart, if I can use it that way, to be the Mm. priest of my own temple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And to guard that space where I can connect with God. Because when I can connect with God, I can see things differently. And I can see things clearer. And God has given me words of knowledge for financial advice clients. Um, And I've shared a couple of those stories. God has given me insight into uh, business challenges while being in the prayer room. And, And setting aside those times. God has given me business ideas. He's reminded me of people to call. Um, there's so many ways that God has been a business partner for me while I have dedicated that time to the prayer room. And sometimes it's genuinely frustrated me a little bit because I'll go to the prayer room and I'm like, oh, sweet, I want to spend time in whatever passage for, you know, because I just want to soak in this or whatever. And I'll get in there and I'll kind of, um, you know, just, it'll be a little worship time. So I'll kind of engage with the worship. Worship will finish And there would just be like a random flurry of business ideas. It took me a while to figure this out. And I'm like, no, no, no. I came here to focus on God. Came here to just be holy in your presence. And all I can think about are business ideas, marketing ideas, who to talk to, what to do. And it it took quite a while before I realized actually God was interested in talking to me about those things as well as my Bible time, as well as the, the prayer things. It was actually... He was more integrated than I was. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And once I started to lean into that, instead of away from that, I started to, you know, actually action some of these smarter ideas and better ideas and change the way I was having conversations, which allowed me to be much better at my job and much better at serving and loving people. 
And, and if I can again link it back to priesthood, it was the Lord aligning my yeah. heart mm. to understand what a resting place looked like yeah. in my job where he would be at rest because he's a really, really, really good businessman. So part of voluntary love and obedience for Jesus in the context of your job should look like you becoming better at your job. There's a great quote that I've, I've shared a few times and it says the first... Uh, the first demand God puts on a carpenter when that carpenter comes to Christ is that he first makes great tables. It's a little bit old school because they didn't build houses out of wood at the time. They mostly made furniture. But if we are mm. furniture makers yeah. and we mm. get saved, mm. the first thing God wants us to do is make sure we're building great tables, that the work of our hands would be for a reflection of his glory. Mm. And the same would apply uh, to, say, high school students. Mm. Be better students. Yes, y'all. Yeah. No, you know, don't, don't be getting them send-outs. Yes. yes. Uh, you, so you could, we, could, we could track through everything, couldn't we? Mm. We could go from uh, high school, primary school, high school, uni, yep. all the way any, into every vocation. And it's like, yeah, a relationship with Christ being... Related to the God who created the heavens and the earth, mm. put us in this place. His spirit ought to make us better at that thing yeah. in that way. And I, Dan, I really appreciate it and love what you said about that. Creating a workspace, a place at work and a culture in our workplace where, where Jesus could come to work there. Mm. And there wouldn't be that grind. Mm. He wouldn't be rubbing up against mm. and going... Get your act together, kind mm. of, you know, that kind of thing. Let's put these things in order, which is yeah. really good. And just, and just to highlight on that note as well, it 100% is a juggling game that requires connectedness. Mm. If you walk out of here and go, I need to just apply myself harder at work, yeah, no. you're missing the first point, point. of mm. connectedness. Yeah. Because it's as we are connected to God, he will show us the way. Mm. It's not about just flog your guts out and work harder and somehow no, that no, will, no. will work better. And, and in, in the lives we have today, as busy as they are with as many goals as we have around family and, and workplace and church life and all those different bits and pieces, it is a juggling game. But as we prioritize connectedness with God, which is what the priesthood did first and foremost... Mm the other pieces will come into alignment. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the centerpiece that holds it all mm. together, that connected piece. And, and that is the story yeah. of Israel. Mm. You yeah, know, when the, they the, lose when, connection. When they lose connection, when they abandon mm. the, the temple or they set up all the other idols and, and the, mm -hmm. the poles and all those weird things they do under the trees. I don't know what that's about, but yeah. that's what they do. Mm -hmm. That's when they go off the rails and then they get raided and destroyed. And then a king will come up and he'll reestablish it and he'll get the singers back in their place and he gets the sacrifices happening and he gets the feast happening and he gets all these things going and then the blessing flows and the blessing flows and the blessing mm -hmm. flows and they put connectedness at the center and the blessings flow and for as long as they keep that, the blessings flow, but they don't keep it very well. Mm. So just before we transition i think there's probably going to i think we might have already dealt with the number three in list but mm. so just so uh you were in year 11 in school mm -hmm. and you came with mum and i to do that three-week international at forerunners international internship in thing intensive at the house of prayer in kansas city as a 16 year old yeah uh which i think it'd be fair to say that that shifted some things Many. for you, or, yeah, uh, which then at the end of year 12, in that gap year, you work for six months, you ask God to help you because you wanted to go do mm -hmm. the fire in the night internship for another six months, and you knew that your parents didn't have the resources to mm. fund all of that, mm. and, and even if they did, they probably would, would have helped a small amount, but it'd be like, no, you've got to learn to uh, work, do this yourself. Um, so that so that's this just part of the story. So mm. sixteen years old, at the beginning of that, beginning of year eleven, it was sort of in that first term. Um, and from memory, you chose to come with your parents mm -hmm. to spend 
this six hours a day in the prayer room, yep. knowing that that would mean you would not be able to go on the ski trip with all your mates later Correct. on the year mm. as well, which is, that was a big thing, Dan. Mm. And mum and I were elated, excited and surprised mm. that you, that you, we were. Like, wouldn't you be? Your child's got, come and pray six hours a day for three weeks, go with your mates on a ski trip with the school. Like, uh, but you chose that. The maths in my head was more like, Five weeks off school to go to America, one week of my school holidays to go to Melbourne and have a go at skiing. That's how the maths went in my head. Just dad makes it sound really spiritual. Like, oh, three weeks sitting at the feet of Jesus. He picked that. No, not mm. <laughs> Very, very pragmatic son. <laughs> Always running, the, crunching the numbers. Uh, since you were watching Sesame Street and the count on Sesame Street was your favourite character. Um, yeah, so then at the end of year 12, you took that gap year. Mm -hmm. You did that. Uh, you worked in construction, I believe, mm. which cured you of that. <laughs> as a career, as a career option, uh, six, six months of that... <laughs> Yeah, for anyone who's come to the Busy Bee and tried to dig things out here, that's what I dug through, just limestone, with a, with a kango, which is a baby jackhammer with a shovel head. Um, I don't know what they weigh, 10, 15 kilos, and we just dug, dug huge yeah. trenches. It was living the dream, I'll tell you now. Yeah. Digging trenches right. through limestone with a 15 kilo shovel. And it was God's provision... It was, That, enabled, that enabled you to fund that whole six months mm. at, uh, at the International House of Prayer of Kansas City. And then coming back from that, going into university, mm. and this thing, what you're saying about jealously guarding connectedness with God as a central thing and the choices that have flowed from that, mm. including this four-day week. So just to bring this to, an, to closure, Dan, um, there's an essential key that you would say equips people to function as priests in the marketplace? Mm. Uh, obviously connectedness. I've banged on about that, so I'll jump forward from that one. I think the other one is, I think is, is two. One is understanding where this thing goes. And um, what I mean by that is, uh, which one have we got up there? Can we get the j priestliness in Christ, Jesus Christ? The final just, one. Yeah, Thank this you. one. This one. Redeemed a kingdom, nation of priests who function now and for eternity in this identity. Yeah. At the end of this story, uh, Revelation 5, you are worthy, take the scroll of the seals, you've redeemed us and, and made us a kingdom of priests. And, and um, hold that for a second with, with Eden. Adam, the very first priest, the very first priestly ministry was gardening, just FYI. That was the very first priestly ministry, be a landscape gardener. Um, so don't, don't underrate that activity if you like gardening. Um, but the, the point of it was, because it's not thorns and thistles back then, so if you're a gardener without thorns and thistles, you're not trying to keep the weeds out, you're trying to grow an amazing garden. So be fruitful and multiply is literally make the dwelling place of God bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we know from the prophets that God is wanting the, the glory of the Lord to cover the earth like the waters covered the sea or like Eden was supposed to cover or like the garden was supposed to yeah. cover Eden yeah. and, and cover the earth. And so when he brings us back to the final piece of being a priestly nation of kings, it is men and women who rule and reign the earth out of intimacy and guarding the place of God's dwelling among us that we would never do anything that would quench the spirit. We would never do anything that goes against the, the life and teaching of Jesus. We would love, we would forgive, we would bless, we would serve one another throughout a whole nation. And this will literally reform every industry we have on the planet. So that's where this thing is going. And so understanding that the, mm. the work we do today doesn't become obsolete because the first priest was a landscape gardener, so the kingdom priests are going to have jobs or they're going to have work to do. 
because we're actually made to love and serve one another. So your work today is never completely pointless, Mm. though sometimes it will feel that way. And the other thing, I guess, that goes hand in hand in that is understanding that right now we don't live the fullness of that reality. So there are days where work is painful. There are weeks and months where work is painful. Mm. And, and there are times when you're sitting there going, what is the point? Keep connectedness in the middle of it. Keep a heart alive in God mm. and, and keep joy in that place. Um, and, and then the last thought I had on that um, essential for being priests in the marketplace. Um, One of the great privileges I had working with my managing director, who I've mentioned, is that she is the most um, hilariously open, honest person I know with regards to what God is doing in her life and what God is saying. So we were the only two Christians. We were an office of seven. Um, Our, like, weekly Monday morning meetings... Always, she was sharing something from her devotional with God that week, that morning. Straight out of the Bible. You know, she's not going to read the Bible to them, but she's quoting scripture. Every so often, she would mention that it's from the Bible. Sometimes she wouldn't. Um, If she was preaching at her church on a weekend, she was chatting to the guys about what she's preaching. And, you know, have you ever experienced this? And and, and all these bits and pieces. And watching, watching that was really encouraging and really provoking. Because as, as Christians, we will often, um, I, I say it this way, as, as Christians in the marketplace, we often have a, a little bit of two sides to us. And what I mean is, if I come up to you and say, hey, how was your weekend? You go, oh, it was great. I spent time with the family. You know, I had church on Sunday. Love what Wayne had to say. Worship time was really good. Uh, went to the river afterwards and we had fish and chips. If a non-Christian comes up to you and asks how your weekend was, it usually goes like, oh, great, spent time with the family, it was really good, we went to the river and had fish and chips. I think that is probably the single most undermining thing you can do for evangelism. Um, and, And sharing the gospel and actually creating a resting place because instead of trying to create a resting place, you're trying to hide the resting place. And I think there's a reality that God wants us to to live again integrated connected to him and just willing to share with openness about like went to church but man had a fight with the kids in the morning and it was like the worst day to be at church i don't know try saying that to your colleague hopefully it wasn't your reality today um you know or went to church preacher was saying like forgive people that's really hard for me but i'm gonna give it a go whatever it might be you don't have to pretend you've got it all together you can be you should be as honest as you can be <laughs> about how your weekend went. But you will open the door to so many more conversations. conversations. My MD, mm-hmm. before she left, had prayed for, I think, every member of our staff multiple times because she would simply share struggles and stories and how God had helped her and offered to pray. That's good. Um, and that's mm-hmm. in a time span. Some of those staff were, mm-hmm. you know, three months. Others were two years. Um, but it opened door for prayer every time because she was honest. Um, and I would sit there and laugh a lot of the time because I knew how often she was using biblical references um, and they had no idea. They just thought they were great stories and then occasionally they would like spit the story back to me or to her and I would just laugh that now my non-Christian colleague is preaching to me without realising they're preaching to me. Um, so uh, connection mm. and integration. And integration, yeah. Go hand in hand to be a priest who is guarding the presence of God. Is that does that help? Is that helpful? Good. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, I want to invite you, please, to pray for us as a people. So, people, would you stand? I invite Daniel to pray f- for you, uh, and then I'm going to invite Nathan to come up, and I want to pray a blessing over my two sons God I thank you that you're here in the room with us I thank you that right now your spirit is hovering over us and Holy Spirit I ask that you would speak to each one of us in this still moment 
God of what it looks like to be a priest who guards your dwelling. Who guards that connectedness with you. God, I believe you want to release more to this community. I believe you have more for us. Lord, come and show us the way forward. Come and show us the way to redefine our work, to flip it on its head. To see our work as a love and service for others that you yourself would engage in. What are the conversations we need to reframe and do differently? How do we need to treat our colleagues differently that you would dwell with us, that you would join in those conversations with us? Lord, how do we live fully desiring your dwelling with us? That all of our being would long for you. God, that we would love going to work because we know it's where you dwell. That we would love conversations with colleagues and customers and clients and suppliers because they're conversations you would have. Lord, I ask you would give us your vision for priestly work. To see that our work is never in vain. To see that our work is an opportunity for connectedness and communion with you. And Father, it's my prayer that every one of us would go on this journey. Lord, every one of us would commit to go on this journey, to not stop. To not stop until we make a resting place for you. To walk in humility, to walk in service, to walk in love. To do the juggling game. To find that space to connect with you, to try and sort it all out. God, that there would be a vision and a cry in our heart for you to dwell in us and through us to those around. I bless each one in this community. I bless each one in this community with the ability to know your voice. You say that your sheep hear your voice. And God, I believe first and foremost, you want to speak to us about us. So Lord, I ask right now you would open ears to hear your voice, to know the way forward, to know how to schedule and structure a week, to know how to walk with you each and every day. God, help us to have our eyes fixed on you, our ears listening to you in the midst of whatever our day looks like, school, work, holidays, family time. Let our hearts ever be connected to yours. And God, help us all on this journey. Help me on this journey. Help us all to grow in union and community with you. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Nathan, could you join us? So just to, um, before I pray, I simply want to say that um, one, one of the things that uh, we are getting, have, have gotten used to, is that um, we, our family lives in a fishbowl. And some of you know what I meant by that and some of you don't know what I meant. Uh, what we're trying to do here is, is uh, be a model uh, and to help you see something that perhaps you've not seen before um, in, in the way uh, that God has used our family um, simply because we said yes to him. Uh, and we want to continue to do that. Um, and on this morning, we thought it would be appropriate if we blessed our sons. Yeah. So come and stand here. So 
join us as Father, we, we stand here. And we, first of all, Lord of glory, we thank you for the, our sons and the men that they have become and the wives that they have chosen and the children that they have born. And Father, we know there were things that are on your heart for them because you are the one that formed them when they were in their mother's womb. You are the one God that we felt gave us the names that were chosen for them. That these would speak of who they were to become in your eternal purposes. They were to walk in your ways. They were to represent you and your character. They were to be men of integrity whose hearts longed after you and pursued you. So today, we first of all thank you for your grace on our family. We thank you for your grace on Nathan and Daniel. And as stand here with their mother I bless them in your name to continue to grow in wisdom in the knowledge of God to have insight and understanding to be equipped to do all that you have called them to do that they would become all that was in your heart father for them to become we bless them to be men who fulfill all of your good purpose, all of your good purposes, Lord. We bless them as husbands, to be husbands who continue to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We bless them as fathers who carry the heart of you, the eternal father, and who father their children in the way that you are that father oh god all that you have called them to we say yes to may the work of their hands be fruitful may they be increasing and multiplying the fruitfulness and the effectiveness of their lives for your glory and father we i'd say again what we've always prayed julian i've always prayed Lord, that they would stand on our shoulders and do more in your name, more than we can ask or think or imagine because you are that God, that Ephesians 3 God, who is the one who does more than we can ask or think or imagine. Lord, we thank you again for Lauren and for Gracia and we bless the marriage and strengthen with love that overflows and Lord, again, an increasing sphere of influence for them as married couples. So Lord, that this would be the legacy that we walk in, just as we have received a blessing from the generations that have gone before us, we bless this generation and the ones that have come from them, that they would increase in every good way, every good work, Lord. Father, let the light of your countenance shine on them and be gracious to them all the days of their lives for your honor God for your glory in this region and beyond we pray Amen, Amen. Thank you And now Nathan's yeah, I'm going to lead us in a, in a song fulfill <laughs> the priestly blessing yes yeah, come on worship team and may your homes yes. no matter what mm. your current status whether you're single you're a child you're a parent you're doesn't matter whatever whatever's going on in your family and in your homes rise up and bless one another and rise up and as Daniel said guard guard the temple of your own heart for the sake of Christ right for his glory 
we'd not exchange that glory for anything else, how beautiful and wonderful he is. May his glory, may his glory spread from this place, from your home, from your heart. May the essence of who he is abound more and more and more. The fragrance of Christ, the beauty of Christ be seen through you, through us together.